Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that Nancy and I do every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And it is an opportunity for us to bring some of the knowledge and wisdom that we gained for decades doing, decades in Nancy's case, doing a pet loss support group. And we wrote a book that's called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And we bring some of the experience and knowledge and, and recommendations that we got from people who participated in those meetings to you in the hopes that they will be helpful during a challenging time in the life of your family. And so to get us started, I'm going to hand it over to Nancy and she'll introduce our topic for today. Well, this topic is not an easy one, although it's a very important one that um, many, many, many pet parents have had to go through and multiple times because our pets just don't live long. Uh, they don't live long enough. And that is um, euthanasia. Um, and it was interesting when I when I did a little more research. I, we have some questions that we're going to get to, but the research um, brought me some new information. You know, I didn't know what euthanasia, the word, meant. I mean, I know what it is, but where did it come from? A derivation. Yeah. Yes, um, and it comes from two Greek words. EU you is means good and thanatos and I hope I'm saying that right in my Greek means death and so actually what euthanasia means is good death which I was like well you know that was kind of interesting for me um, and I got from the American Veterinary Medical Association their definition which is euthanasia is the act of inducing humane death in an animal. It is our responsibility as veterinarians and human beings to ensure that if an animal's life is to be taken, it is done with the highest degree of respect and with an emphasis on making the death as painless and distress-free as possible, which is really helpful for anyone to hear. Um, and so I thought we'd start with, we, there are a lot of questions that come with euthanasia. And the first one is, I don't know what to do. I want my dog to die naturally, but he is so sick. I'm really struggling and want to do the best thing for him. Yeah, so the way that you and I talk about this, and, and I think we both think of it, is that you have to make a judgment about whether the pleasures of being alive, the benefits of, of living outweigh the suffering of infirmity, of illness, of the impact of injury, whatever is going on that is bringing the, the animal close to the end. And that's a really hard decision to make. And I don't think it should ever, if at all possible, be made alone. I think you need to involve other people in the family who love you and love your animal companion. And of course, you need to be talking it over with a veterinarian who you feel a high regard for. You know, what's interesting, though, in my, in my work at Blue Pearl, um, there were a couple people 
that just refuse. You know, they they just I'm not I'm not going to do that. I don't believe in it, and I'm not going to do it do uh, that to my to my beloved animal. And it was a, a wonderful gentleman with a small dog, and he literally would come in periodically. The dog was very ill. And, and hold the dog and say, I, I want you to keep him here until he dies. Mm-hmm. Because he couldn't tolerate what the dog was going through, but he was refusing to, to allow the dog to be euthanized. And he, he was tortured. I mean, he really was tortured. Um, he did not euthanize the dog. And at some point, yes, the dog died. Um, and he did come to the group, you know, he needed to really talk about that. That was, it was quite a process. I think it was some weeks. It is such a hard balance, right? Because you have to, you have to take into consideration you being the guardian, your mm-hmm. own feelings too. But part of being a guardian for such a vulnerable other being is that in certain circumstances, you really want to put their needs ahead of your own. And that can just be terribly, terribly challenging. And so this was a person who you say just could not, he just could not let go of their friend. And, you know, I, I, I always feel like that's, that's so very sad because there is a point at which it's just, you're just keeping them there for you. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, of course, of course, if, if and it could be his belief system, though, right? Yeah, too, that yeah, there's they, well, it could be, but in the if there were no euthanasia available, that's what would happen, and, exactly. and that happens in nature, and it happens with most people that we are kept alive right. until we actually are not able to stay alive. Increasingly, people are in fact euthanized, and it off it isn't always. It isn't always done in a way that's really upfront. No, no. But, not a, no we even the health field know this. That yeah, but it's you know give them a little more, give them a little more, give them a little more, trip. And a little more, right? And there are, there are states and places and particular institutions where there's an understanding that if if you are if you're making a decision that clearly is not based on some psychological problem, if you're not profoundly depressed, but you're making the decision based on your physiological status and the fact that you're not going to get better, there's help available these days to yeah. well, help there, you end your life. Exactly. And, I, and New Jersey is one of them, actually. Mm-hmm. I think they, I think Doc, uh, Governor Morphy passed that last year. A right to die. Was the first. But there are about five or six states, I think, in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, and and I do know of one case in particular in a state where there was not a law, but there was an understanding between a patient and their physician and the treatment team that allowed for this and facilitated uh, euthanasia for for a human being. And 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 that's it's I think in that respect it's so nice to be able to have that control if you are obviously if you're capable of doing that. There are a lot of you know, procedures and rules and regulations around that. Because who wants to be, you know, we're able to do that for our animals. We yeah. see them suffering. We see that mm-hmm. they're not eating. I mean, if, if they have pain um, and they they react that way, it's hard sometimes mm-hmm. 
to tell. And they cover pain a lot that you don't necessarily know. Yeah, I, I had a, I had both of my rabbits euthanized within the past couple of years. And they were both between eight and nine years old. They were um, Flemish giants. They're really big rabbits. And they have shorter lives generally than the smaller ones. So they both lived to between eight and nine. And one of them was, he was incapacitated and he couldn't move very much, but he could move a little bit. He could drink, he could eat. And <clears throat> the veterinarian told me he'll probably just slip away. But if he starts grinding his teeth, that's pain. a sign that he's in pain. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. So I brought him to the vet and, and had him euthanized. And cause, cause there was no way I was going to, let him go on just no, suffering. And the same same with the, the other one was in a kind of a similar situation where his 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 gut just kind of stopped working and he got bloated and it, you know clearly yeah. was in a lot of distress, it wasn't gonna get better. So so he had to be helped to, he had to end his suffering through euthanasia. Well, and that's part, right? Pain, pain is one. Mobility, if they can yeah. get around or not, if they can walk or and get up, be able to get up um, um, after eating, especially if they're eating. I mean, a lot of animals love to eat, most of them. And yeah. if they're not eating, that that says that something is really wrong. And also if they are drinking, you know, if they're not drinking or eating, that those are signs. Mm -hmm. If they're not like cats, don't they groom themselves? I don't have cats. Oh, yeah. If they're yeah. very into hygiene, and if they're yeah. not doing that, that could yep. be another indicator. My cat grooms me too. He really? <laughs> he does. Yeah. Wow! Give him the chance. Just looks, looks you all the time. Yeah. Wow. I start licking my hand. That's so nice. I mean, maybe she's just maybe she's just tasting me. I don't. That could be. That could be. Too. I'm wondering if I'm going to be any good to eat. <laughs> but um, happiness is also another indicator. So more good days and bad. Um, so all of those pain, mobility, hunger, thirst, hygiene, happiness, more good days than bad. There, there are quality of life scales. One is by Alice Villabos, I believe. And the Lap of Love has a really good one, too, that's online. Um, and so it is important to do the right thing for the animal, but it's hard to let go. And for the family, you know, the the um, the veterinarian medical association also said you have to weigh what it is um, that's going to cause the family a lot of distress. So if there is an animal who is so ill that needs twenty four hour care you know, in the context of really being on top, is someone in that family going to be able to do that? You know, right. um, because if, if there isn't, then that's a, that can be a really a real stressor on the family. So it was interesting that they also took that perspective, that it's not just the quality of life for the animal, but it's the quality of life for the family. Yeah. And, and, and as you said, like, what's realistic? What can you do? Right. Financial issue. I mean, there's a whole other a lots of things. Although I do do think now, which is really nice for for animals and pet parents, is hospice. You know, yeah. it's much more um, um, uh, out front. You know that there are hospice programs. So um, that's not every, 
that's not available through every veterinarian's practice. No, there are special vets that do it actually. Mm -hmm. um, I am hooked into a, um, a vet in vet tech. That's what they do. They're okay. euthanasia, hospice, acupuncture. So they do more holistic, you know, mm -hmm. methods uh, and techniques with the animals to help them, you know, feel better. But they are hospice and uh, euthanasia vets, and they're mobile. So they don't have an office. They do everything, you know, to, to they go to everyone's oh, house. Oh, wow. okay. So they everything is a house call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they'll go. I have a I have a woman I'm working with right now, and I'm I was I'm working uh, therapeutically with this this client, but I'm part of the group, and the vet tech comes out um, every week and checks up on on her cat. Um, the cat is dying, but that's what. And if if people want to learn about that, they can send you an email to ask yeah sure for the particulars sure. yeah and, the, and Nancy and my email are in the description for the program if you'd like to get in touch and ask a question or give us some suggestions for topics yeah because this is the, the hospice thing i think is really really nice to have for especially for a family that's that's anticipatory grieving we did that you know episode because their animal is going to die and but they have they're, they're being really well taken care of and not having to get into a carrier not having to go a vet you know that, the, that if somebody comes to the home make sure that you know take their vitals give them their medications that they need do some acupuncture that would that would be good for pain you know those kind of things until mm -hmm. that time that they all decide that maybe it's time to euthanize yeah yeah do we want to move on to another question? Um, yeah, sure. So the next one is, um, we are going to euthanize our beloved cat this weekend. What should we tell our kids and should we involve them? They loved okay. this cat so much. Yeah, we've, talk, we've talked about we've talked this. About and this. It, yeah. It's important to involve everybody in the family. Absolutely. Everybody who is connected to this animal companion should be involved. And if you don't involve them, by perhaps trying to protect them, you're probably not doing them any favors. Better to at least ask how much they'd like to be involved, how they'd like to be involved. And unless your child is very small, and then you would, you might completely keep them out of it if they're between the ages of just being born and, and three or four or five. Yeah. And even then, if you decide to go to some people do a funeral afterwards or a cremation. Mm -hmm. You could bring a baby to that. I mean, they wouldn't yep. necessarily be cognizant of it, but it would be a family thing. Yep. Um, yep. So, but, but, you know, it's really important because if kids aren't involved um, with it, it may, it may complicate and prolong their grieving, especially yep. if parents yep. make the decision without really talking to them about it. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. If it's and, mentionable, it's manageable. Everything should be yes. talked through. Um, so that that's that we we have spoken about that before, but I think that that's another good thing to to reiterate. Um, and and then you talk about you know what to say. You know that the vet has done everything, and there's no more that he can do. And you know our our cat is very very ill. And you know this is how the process is going to be, and you, you talk about the shots and those kind of things, and we had already gone through yeah, that. Exactly what's going to happen? Yeah. Right. Um, will my pet know that she is going to die when we take her to the vet to euthanize her? Now we got this a lot, right, in the group. Everyone, yeah. I, I, she knew I was taking her to die. 
Mm-hmm. Now they don't. They don't. Uh, they pick up your anxiety. That's that's the thing I think is that animals are pretty perceptive, right. not in a way where they can put it into words, but in a way where they're feeling whatever you're feeling, whether you're calm or tense or freaking out or whatever, and they're going to mirror that, I think, to some extent at least. But they don't know in their, no. in their brain that this is what's going to happen because their brains don't work that way. You know, they're, they, yeah. they're in the moment animals. So, and, and I think also that the, the way that I think about that is the way that you think about what you're doing is going to communicate how the animal will feel about what you're doing. So if you understand this as this is a loving gift to your pet who is suffering, they're going to experience the way you handle them and the way you carry them and the way you talk to them in a way that communicates and absorbs that. Mm -hmm. So that if if you can see it as this is something I'm doing because it's necessary and it's a, it's a, it's a kindness. Right. It's a gift. And, right. Yeah. Then they're going to, they're going to feel that energy from you. That's the way I, I always think about this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's hard and you can, you can be sad, but you also want to make sure that you're not showing a lot of tension and, and you're not like freaking out about it right. at the moment mm-hmm. that it's, you can freak out afterwards if you need to, is the way I would think about it. And, 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 that's true. I mean, and some people decide that they don't want to go in and and others um, want to be there. And sometimes, unfortunately, some who who decided not to go in just afterwards say, I should have done that. And it's, it's such an emotional procedure that um, some people believe that they can't they just can't, you know, be present and others are okay with it. But it's too bad at the end when those that didn't or were present were upset with it. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, when particularly this year and at other times, when I take one of my dogs or another animal to the vet and they need to take blood, let's say, they'll often take them in another room. Right. And they'll get assistance from one of the technicians. And I, I trust that they're handling my dogs in a way that is kind and gentle. And it's the same kind of thing. I mean, I, your, your animal at times is handled by caregivers and you're not present. And the way that, the, again, the way I think about that is it's probably likely that if, if you are not there in the room, if you give them, you say goodbye and then give them to the vet to take into another room when they are going to be euthanized you may have misgivings about that but if you are there you're probably going to have misgivings about it too. i mean it's, it's such it's, 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 it's almost such unavoidable i think that you're gonna there's gonna be what ifs and why didn't i and 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 the thing is that you would have to remind the way i would the way i would counsel somebody in this situation is i would remind them that they made the best decision they could at that time and that and that that was undoubtedly a decision that came from love and concern and nothing but those things nothing but love and concern and and kindness and that 
the the rethinking of it is kind of human nature. Of course, we're all gonna we're all gonna think that way. There's with euthanasia, it's, it was always the conversation was I waited too long, or I or I or I, I did it too quickly. It was always something like that. Because yeah. Yeah. Once they have died, they're died. You know. So you and and people would say a lot. I don't want to be God. I I don't want to make this decision. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to make the decision. It's it's too hard for me. And so, which is natural, right? I mean, sure. And it's how you how you look at it in what we're saying right now that if your animal is suffering and in pain and doesn't want to eat anymore and can't get up, I mean, you really have to look at do you want to to have this continue or do you want to give them the gift that is so i mean i've gone through multiple euthanasias with my babies mm -hmm. and it's really peaceful even though it's really sad but it's yeah. really peaceful because how they do it is a sedative mm -hmm. so the animal is really relaxed and in some cases there's um, propanol, I think they use. Um, and then there's another drug after that that will stop their heart. But they don't know. You know, they're they're kind of, you know, they're in a trained state. Right. Yeah. So it's sad. I mean, and when you when you feel them and they're and you know their heart has stopped and they're not breathing, I mean that's it's it's really it's really sad. I mean, Sorry. Very difficult, very challenging. But but then then those questions come up. Did I do the right thing? You know, it's it's always like that with most of the time. I I think yeah that the second guessing is sort of part of the it's, it's to be expected. And if it doesn't happen, that's great. That's you know you're that's good that you are comfortable in that way, but it's very common for it to happen. And that is just something you go, you kind of walk through and over time it settles down. You walk one foot in front of the other, like we talked yeah. about getting through. Yeah. Um, and, and, and sometimes there are, the, the veterinarians hopefully out there are really explaining what might happen. You know, some people would be with their animal, you know, for a while in my experience. And then when actually the 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 injections were going to go in, they gave they gave the animal back to the veterinarian and, and it was done in the back. But I hope that they say that sometimes if you are watching, there are the animal can have an a after death reaction. You know, and that would certainly would if that wasn't told to people, it they would Definitely freak out. And so, what 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 might that look like? So the dog could or the cat could all of a sudden move, right? Mm -hmm. Or can make it's an agonal breath. I think that's what they call it. This breath that comes out um, that is very a, a loud noise, or something like that, or an, mm -hmm. some kind of uh, utterance. Um, they they are have already died, but it's just a reaction of the body afterwards. Mm -hmm. But if the veterinarians don't say that, yeah, and it obviously it's it's 
traumatic for for the pet parents. So hopefully that's and any kind of conversation out there for the people listening. You want to make sure that the veterinarians talk to you about what what possibly would happen. Yeah, and ask any questions you have beforehand. What ask any questions that will help you to be prepared and know what to expect. And one of the things that's so important for all of us to do is realize that we have the right to behave like a customer, I guess you would say, yeah. when it comes to working with a veterinarian or any other professional whose services we engage. And so certainly write down all the questions that you have, Absolutely. all the questions that other family members have and, and share them. And also be, it's good to choose a veterinarian who you feel demonstrates connection, compassion, concern for you, gentleness toward your animal, respect for your animal. All of those things are part of the planning for this. Yeah, I happen. think that's a good point. I want to point, say that there were a few people I work with um, during my internship that had just picked a mobile vet. They didn't know mm -hmm. the vet. They picked a mobile vet to come to the house to do the euthanasia. Um, sometimes it was fine, other times it was horrendous. Because if they didn't know the animal, it was one particular woman whose animal had very, very poor veins. Oh. So the veterinarian couldn't, she couldn't really get the injections in. I mean, it was, it was, it, she, she couldn't get, what is it called? I think that there's, is that a, is it a catheter or something in there? Oh, wow. And yeah. couldn't Anyone, get it. Yeah. And so, um, and that was horrific. That sounds really distressing. So, yeah. I mean, you really want to be talking with, with who you, you know, who you parent. Yeah. And some, some reviews and talk to people that have had that experience, yeah. especially if you don't know them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and you you should you should be asked. Do you want to be in the room? Do you not want to be yes. in the you know? It, it should be you should be treated with great concern because it's the veterinarian should know that this is really an emotion laden thing that you're doing that you're doing. I mean, most of the ones I've witnessed during my internship and the ones I've been in have been fine. I mean, you know. The vets have been very, very kind. They've been very, you know, attentive. Um, they have explained everything, you know, very clearly. Um, but, you know, it's still a very difficult thing. I will also want to add, and I know we have a few minutes, but um, if, if you do decide to euthanize, you want to spend some time doing a life review with your loved one, your beloved cat or, or dog or whatever other animal, and let them eat what they want to eat, take them on their next last walk, take them for their last ride, you know, spend really some quality time with them. You know, I think that that's really helpful for the whole family. Yeah, it's a great, great thing to, it's a, a ritual, right? A ritual of, of connection, of remembrance, of, of, Revi re reviewing everything yeah. that you've been through together and and it's showing your love and showing how much they mean to you. I mean, if I you can, that's really great. Sometimes situations don't allow for that, but if you have the ability to, yeah. do that, I think that, that yeah, really yeah, absolutely. And 
And in that way, you can create a memory that may buffer some of what comes in the wake of the of their actual death. Mm-hmm. Because they are, you know, very very important relationships to us, and we yep. want to make sure that they are until their last breath. You know, we are able to to give them that love that they have always given us. And and one of, and one of the things that you've talked about as well, Nancy, is to have an idea in advance of what you're going to do yes, with, with their remains. Exactly. What you're going to do immediately afterwards, so that so that you don't have to make a decision at that time. And you can you that's something you would talk through with the veterinarian as well. Are they are they going to dispose of the body? for you are you going to have the body cremated if so what is that how does that done who takes responsibility are you going to take the body home and bury it and and also are you allowed to spend some time after they are deceased with them are you allowed to spend some time in that room just you and your family you or your your friends whoever you'd like to be there so that you you have a pretty solid idea of what's going to happen in the immediate aftermath and you don't have to make decisions or feel surprised. Right. Good point. That's a very good point. And, and I do think that most of the time you are allowed to be in the room as long as you yep. want. Yep. Which is good. Yep. And then, and yes, taking the body home, wanting to bury it yourself, even though there are laws against it, most people don't pay attention to them. Um, <laughs> And or um, and cremations, and you could be individual or a group. Yep. Or some people like not to have not to get cremains back. Um, yep. They want an individual; it's fine. They just want to leave. Um, other people want to, you know, have to have their own individual uh, cremations, or you know, bury them, you know, themselves. Yeah, and you know, another thing you just said reminds me: there are some veterinarians who, for one reason or another, they won't let you be in the room yes when there's euthanasia so in fact i i brought my i bring my chickens to a veterinarian who and he he just retired actually but if if one of them needs to be euthanized or any other animal needs to be euthanized he gives them gas first to put them into a sleeping state and then gives them an injection and they will not allow you in the room for reasons that have to do with what I'm told are laws, local state laws or regulations that you can't be in the same room while that's going on, only staff. Because you you wanna know that beforehand. Now, and is that because of the gas? I I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because I I haven't heard that most of the time. I've never heard this before either, but I mean, it's a wonderful veterinarian, really, really helpful, and was, is the kind of veterinarian, one of the, veterinarians in the area who will treat chickens and my chickens are beloved pets <laughs> as, as that's that's I'm smiling because some people might find that surprising but I treat them just the way I would treat our dogs and and our cat and any other animals but that was something that was um, it was it was unex- it was a bit unexpected and I was good I was glad to know it before yeah we right. had, before I actually had to go through with it because also some vets feel that that the uh, the pet parents may get too too demonstratively upset, yeah. and it would create that tension in, in the animal. So yeah, yeah, 
Well, we should wrap up for now. Great talking with you as always, mm -hmm. Nancy, and I look forward to our next conversation. Yes. Take care, everyone.